Yo, yo, what up, everybody? You are now listening to a brand new episode of Behind the Baller, a.k.a. BTB or BBP. This show is produced by the world-famous Dust Brothers, which means you are listening to this in high-definition sound. And this is the greatest business lifestyle podcast in the galaxy. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. The Forrest Gump of Hip Hop, also known as The Korean John Cusack. Oh, you know what, though? Some people do call me The Wash Lord. What up, what up, y'all? It is Monday, December 14th, 2020. We are just a couple weeks away from 2021. By the way, happy Hanukkah. Shalom, shalom to all my Jewish listeners. We are 11 days away from Christmas. Yo, guys, once again, it is Monday. So I encourage you all to make it a great day. All right? So before we begin, and to anyone who would dare think about skipping this show or going pressing fast forward, I want you guys to know you would fucking make the biggest mistake of your life, okay? This Friday, I'm helping my good friend Kai Bentley out, and he's going to be doing a giveaway, okay? He's doing it to get more people to sign up for his Discord page, all right? I don't even know what the fuck Discord is, and I don't care. Just know he's a good dude, all right? So I helped him out with the grand prize, which is... Miles, can I get a drum roll, please? We are giving away a $35,000 brand new Rolex President Day Date 40. Tell you the truth, this is actually a $38,000 watch. Brand new. Yes, never worn, box and card. Rolex President Gold Day Date 40. A fucking Prezi. Big face. All right, legit. Fully official. Okay. The raffle tickets cost $25 each, and he's doing this a 1,000% transparent. He's going to show every single entry on a spreadsheet so you guys can see, and the winner will be chosen on Christmas Day, okay? He uses an automation system. He'll do it live on the day, on Christmas Day. He will do it on his Instagram Live. In fact, I might join him. And you can see, because I saw how he did his last contest. He gave away some Dior's or like, what, $20,000? You can see how he's choosing it. It is totally random. He doesn't do anything shady. This is a big fucking contest. And I was happy to help out. You know, when you see on live, you can see everything. Like, boom, look. This is the motherfucking names here and here. Ain't no funny shit. Ain't no nothing. Ain't no nothing. Okay? Once again, this Friday... We begin to sell raffle tickets for a giveaway. We are giving away a $38,000 brand new gold Rolex Prezi. Don't sleep. Okay? Okay. Let's get this motherfucking show started now. So, uh, shit is getting spooky. Uh, Especially... In Los Angeles, okay? Hospital beds are being filled. The local hospital down the street from my house is packed to the motherfucking gills, 
right? Anyone who says that's cap, you can suck an elephant dick and not just an elephant dick, one with the motherfucking elephant STD, all right? Yes, shit's getting fucking bad and it's getting worse, right? A friend of mine who I actually met off social media, she's a mom, she's like collecting the hobby, she's a sneaker collector and everything. She's actually a teacher at a university. She just got the Rona, okay? And now she's telling me she got headaches, she can't smell, she can't taste shit, she got body aches. And still, you got dumb fucks who are like, shit, even if I get sick, I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm a boss. I'm the boss of me. There's this gym owner in New Jersey who's super proud of himself. He's behaving like such a proud boy. You know, he's like, oh, I'm so proud. Guess what? We've been cited a thousand times and we've been shut down by the city. We've had chains put on our doors. We've been fined over a million dollars in citations and this and that, blah, blah. We've been fined and cited and all types of shit. And he made all these little fucking, he made this little cute video inside his gym where everyone's working out without a fucking, I will never mandate masks and this is how we are. I will never shut down. The only time I'll shut down is when the, the door on my casket is closed. Like, man, bro, all that typical fuck shit, man. Look, at congrats. You sound like a fucking un, uneducated 10-year-old loser, okay? In fact, even my son has more sense than you do. How many times do we have to tell you it is not about you, dipshit? It's not about your rights, you stupid, dumb, fuck, cunt, shit, sucker, bitch, motherfucker. It's about the ones who cannot survive this. And the more it spreads, the more likely it gets to the older people or the people with diabetes or cancer or pre-existing conditions. You keep talking about this 98% survival rate propaganda narrative bullshit, which isn't true. You don't talk about the uncertain, long-lasting effects such as what happened to the college basketball star, Keontae Johnson, who just collapsed and had cardiac arrest out of fucking nowhere this past weekend, okay? During a fucking game. Go watch that clip. That shit is fucking scary, okay? He had tested positive earlier for coronavirus, okay? He didn't realize that that shit comes with myocarditis, which is like one of the effects of post-COVID, all right? Stops the heart, sees the shit. This is no fucking joke. There are a lot of things that can happen as this virus is still somewhat new. But again, there is a vaccine, okay? Except the country I live in is torn by this fucking vaccine. Am I going to take it? No, I'm taking that shit. No, that shit going to fucking get you fucking autism. It's going to get you fucking extra dick. It's going to make your dick soft. Also the stupid shit. Oh, it's going to freeze your face. Like, man, please do yourself just some justice and do some research, okay? The, the misinformation is so bad. It's so bad that I'm not even going to share the stupidity. I don't want to. We have a good show. We got a special guest. I don't want to get into it. But as I've mentioned before, the measles wasn't anything to even think about when I was a kid. It was a long time ago, all right? Because growing up, I'd get a measles shot. I'd get a vaccine. We'd get vaccinated to go to school, okay? So we didn't fucking spread measles throughout the school. And then all these conspiracies came out about it, giving autism, all this other shit and everything. And guess what? It's been debunked. No actual scientific study that does cause autism. And then after a 30-year absence of measles, 
the measles is fucking back because these stupid ass fucking anti-vaxxers who are fucking dumb as shit, all right? There's so many false theories out there that have been debunked, but due to the fact that the world we live in here in America is so skeptical of our country's leaders and we have no direction, more recently, our dumbass president, okay? That most people are just so scared, right? I heard some guy said, yeah, man, don't take that shit unless you see some black, this is a black guy was saying, you shouldn't take that shit, dog. Don't take that shit until you see some black scientists take it first, okay? That's what, you know, Minister Farrakhan said. Make sure black scientists involved, make sure they taking this, okay? You make sure. And like Dr. Fauci just said straight up, he's like, yo, guess what? The current vaccine, that's how it was created by a black scientist. But again, you got doubters, right? So I wonder what Farrakhan would say about this shit now. But because of poor leadership and the ease of spread of false information, with this torn-ass country, the pandemic is just going to extend and linger on and on. It's so fucking painful and dumb to witness. And again, had Dick Stain just said... In the beginning of all this shit, hey, wear a mask, be safe. If you just lock down the country properly for two months, we would be in a different place today. He might have fucking won the fucking election. He's so fucking dumb. Again, he rigged the election and lost. This guy's a fucking idiot maniac, okay? But he didn't say that. He went totally against that. And you know what? It doesn't matter because in less than a month, he's fucking gone. All right. For those of you who are listening to this for the first time, I will be taking the vaccine. And I hope to somehow get it sooner than later. I'm aiming for the Moderna version. I hope you guys do your due diligence and research this properly by someone who's accredited. All right. By that, I mean, don't fucking read an article from a fucking website that some motherfucker created has fucking seven views on it. Okay. Or even if it has fucking 50,000 views. Anyone can make some fucking fake shit that goes along with their narrative, all right? You don't want to fucking get advice from someone fucking who went to BRC Jerky Lab University, okay? Oh, you know what? Actually, I just read this shit on Twitter. My God, man. Do you guys remember that guy who's on my show, Jordan Schachtel? He came on the pod. He works and he worked and works for National Security, this guy is in politics, super far right wing, okay? Well, I know this guy. And this guy yesterday said, I'd rather take health advice from a random sanitation worker over an epidemiologist. Why should I care what a failed mathematician tells me about public health? These people have never really accomplished anything, and now the media tells us they are experts, on what exactly? Epidemiologists are a trifecta of failed mathematicians, failed aspiring medical professionals, and failed politicians. What have they ever given us decent guidance on? When have we ever needed them? It's a field of useless, believe-in-science morons who can't do rudimentary algebra. Oh, and you're the 20-year chair of public health, an epidemiologist at some China-funded Ivy League university? Cool. What have you done in your life that has been remotely accurate or helpful? He's talking about some fucking Chinese dude 
who's an epidemiologist. And I'm just blown the fuck away because again, Jordan really thinks that masks don't work at all. And I even asked him, I said, hey bro, how the fuck do doctors and nurses not get coronavirus or get sick, period? You think they wear 995 masks and shields for no reason? He's like, yeah. So I'm just, it's just fucking scary. Anyways, in other news, we have a very special guest. We have legal correspondent, my boy Mo, on the pod today. He's known as at Lawyers for Workers on IG. You might have seen him on a couple blogs and things. Talked. He was a real active during the 6ix9ine case and everything else. He's deep, deep in the legal hip-hop cases in New York City. He's got a lot of knowledge about the legal game, of course. And we got him on the pod now. Okay, he's going to talk about some current cases going on in hip hop, and he's got some very informative news for us. So, Miles, please drop me one of them lakey beats and let's cut to a commercial. We'll be right back, y'all. So, when you're as busy as I am, it's important that when your head does hit the pillow, that it's on a mattress that you can count on. With my new Helix Sleep Mattress, I've been sleeping like a baby. And when I'm on the road, I miss my bed, even if I'm in a five-star hotel. What's cool is that Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody is unique and Helix knows that. So they have made several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Dusk Lux mattress and I love it. It's soft, but it's still really supportive. It helps me fall asleep right away. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz and order the mattress that you're matched to. Then the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store ever again. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and by GQ and Wired Magazine. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up from you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com baller. Just go to helixsleep.com baller, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Yo, what's good, y'all, man? Look, we got a brand new little segment that uh, I'm introducing to the weekend wrap-up, and uh, we have a very special celebrity attorney. He is a Behind the Ballers legal correspondent. He's from the Rotten Apple, and he goes by uh, Lawyers for Workers, right? But his name is Mo. Mo, what's good, bro? Yo, yes, yes. Ben, I'm here to give you these legal jewels. You could package it up, sell it however you want. <laughs> Yo, man, let me ask you a question. How, how's the weather over there right now? Brick. Brick cold. That's it. Two words. Fuck, man. That's why I don't miss living in New York City. Um, 
question, man. How long have you been an attorney for? Shit, man. I've been in the law game going on a decade now. Okay, shit. All right. And uh, do you specialize in criminal law or what do you specialize in? No, actually, you know, everybody, you know, people know me on the internet as two things. I'm everybody's lawyer. That's that's like one that I always get. And then I'm that guy who actually does employment law, but is always talking about criminal cases. <laughs> shit, I didn't know that, man. That is crazy. Well, look, man, I know you've been, uh, well, is the New York bar, is that tough? I forgot. I know California bar is really difficult, but. Listen, man, if you think the bar is tough, the law might not be for you. <laughs> but no, what I'm saying is, is aren't there people who like fail the bar like three or four times, right? And they go back and try to do whatever. All right. So look, I, I take that statement back. So I, I know close personal friends of mine who failed the bar, but the point is, you know, life's tough. The bar is tough. Law school is tough. Nothing's going to be as tough as being a lawyer. So if you think any of this stuff is tough, it's just not for you. Right. No, I, I get it. Shit. I mean, that's just life, man. So real quick, man. Um, well, not real quick. Shit. I want to get into a few things with you. But before, this, we, Yeah, this can't be quick. There's too much going on with hip hop right now. Yeah. And before we get into hip hop, something just hit my head right now. And I was like, you know what? Let me hit this motherfucker and actually ask him right now. Yo, man, what is going on? With the Ghislaine Maxwell shit. Do you have any clue on that? Any tea, anything? You know, Ben, I had a I had a video I was gonna post on this issue. And there's one fact in this. This might get me knocked off, y'all. If you don't hear from me ever again after this podcast, <laughs> it's because I revealed this fact right here. I'm telling you. Listen, there's one fact in this case which is problematic, which you know, you gotta look at it, and somebody needs to go pull on this thread. I tell you what it is. There's a woman who filed a lawsuit against Trump, against Epstein, against a couple of these other people. Now, what happened in this lawsuit that this woman filed? Nothing. It got settled. Um, it was withdrawn a couple weeks after it was filed. There's no record of who that woman is, what happened in the settlement, just nothing. All we see is a confidential filing. Now, I see a lot of that might not mean anything, could be BS, but that filing which was confidential, was filed by a very reputable plaintiff-side law firm. Ben, reputable plaintiff's lawyers do not file BS cases. You know why? Because we only get paid if we win. We don't get paid hourly on the plaintiff's side. If I take a case, I got to win it to eat. All right? So when I see a reputable plaintiff's law firm filing a confidential lawsuit of a woman claiming sexual abuse when she was underage, and the defendants in that lawsuit include Epstein and Trump. And then a couple weeks after it was filed, it just goes away and nobody talks about it. That's a big red flag. What is Maxwell tied into all of this? I mean, Maxwell knows about, you know, what these guys were doing at these parties as much as anyone. It's a mess. It's nasty. But I would just tell you, there is that one lawsuit out there. And that, my friend, is major smoke. Damn, man. You know, I've been following it pretty carefully because, uh, one, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about it openly on the show. You know, I've met Trump several times, seen him at parties and things and stuff. And then it took a very long time for people to be like, oh, well, how come Trump's name's not on his manifest? And I always said, I'm like, motherfucker, he owns three jets. Why would he be on Jeffrey Epstein's manifest to go to his island when he has his own jet? But then they did find his name on a, on a manifest. But people act like they weren't friends. And I know for a fact that they were. Do you know what I mean? I mean like, you know, people act like, like, it doesn't get crazier than it is in the movies. Listen, it gets way crazier than it is in the movies when billionaires have 
potential federal charges on the line, everything is on the table. Like you can't discount or start saying, oh, that's not possible on anything because everything's on the table. Okay, so you know Epstein's lawyer, that real famous guy, what's his name? The the New York dude, he's super fucking famous, piece of shit. Who's it, Ben Ben Brathman, who's doing it? I, no. I don't know who's doing his one. Well, he had this huge attorney. I forgot what the fuck his name is. Like enormous. Not like Brathman, what I'm saying. And then something happened to where when Epstein was getting tried in Florida, you know, obviously in, in um where he lives, the guy couldn't help him because he's not a, he's not he doesn't practice law there. So he could only advise. Can you explain that to people? Like, let's say, for instance, you have the best attorney, right? And um, like, for instance, my attorney's, uh, he owns the Cochran firm, Johnny Cochran, rest in peace. And, um, you know, they obviously have people in, in each state and here and there. But like, how does that work if you have a really good attorney that you want to help you with, but he doesn't practice law in the, in the state you're being uh, sued in? Sure. So technically, to practice law in any state, you have to be licensed in that state. What typically happens is there are some attorneys who have such a big profile that, you know, people in every state want them. And so the practice, what people do in practice is these out-of-state attorneys will partner up or hire a local attorney. And now together, they can officially represent you. And so what's happening here is, you know, in my opinion, state law protectionism, right? Lawyers in each state want to protect their property. This is turf war stuff. And so they're always going to be real strict about that. Like, oh, you know, you want to come to Mississippi and practice in a Mississippi court, you better have a Mississippi lawyer with you. And so, you know, that big shot New York lawyer will go partner somebody up in Mississippi. I should mention, though, there's many cases that arise under federal law. And so if I want to go represent someone in a federal criminal case, I don't necessarily need to partner up with somebody uh, who's local to that state, because under the federal rules, there are some states when I could just kind of wave right into that court with my New York license. So, you know, it's a little tricky. It's a little complicated. The important thing, you know, to take away from this, though, is if you got the money and you want a lawyer from outside your state, don't worry, it's going to happen for you. Right. So they said that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is being woken up every 30 minutes, even at nighttime at four, three in the morning, four in the morning to make sure she's alive. Do you actually think she's going to fucking testify, bro? No. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and even if she does, she's not going to like tell you like, cause that's just not going to happen, man. It's not, it's not going to happen. I mean, you know, bro, I there's princes, there's fucking huge people involved. You know what I mean? She's the only person that really has like the real fucking dirt. And, um, well, my, my first question before that is, do you think Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide? No. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I come on, you. man. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, come on, bro. My, my boy was locked up. You know what I'm saying? My my cousin's locked up in, you know, in New York right now. And he was um, you know, just all kinds of fools in and out of there. So I don't know, man. It's just that's a crazy thing. And I'm sure that's bro, what she can say and what she could take down. I mean, I mean, fuck Bill Clinton. I mean, countless celebrities, Prince Andrew, you know, other big people. It's just it's just a crazy situation. I'm just really curious about that whole fucking thing. But um Look, fuck all let me, that. Let me just take that back for a second, Ben. He might have done it, but but if he really did it, he did it with the assistance of people on the inside of that holding center who who let him do it. Because there's no way. There's just there's just no way with See, when somebody comes into a prison, that's a very small place, all right? Yeah, and he didn't go to 
There's two in New York. There's Metropolitan Detention Center. Every federal court judicial district, they got the courthouse and they got the holding center, which is reasonably close to the courthouse where they keep you. In New York, we don't just have one holding center. We got another one. The other one is for VIPs and snitches. When you get to Manhattan and you're in the VIP snitch holding center, bruh, that is the most secure facility on the planet. All right? Like, it's the creme de la creme. It doesn't get any better. You're not going to be able to hang yourself in there as a financier on your own, all right? <laughs> so, But even so that autopsy the- said that it, it didn't show that he did kill himself. It showed that there was pressure on when I read the autopsy. For sure. Listen, for sure, that situation is so stink. Like the, so going back to that detention center, all right, it's the best one. In the, the, I Take my word for it. It's not going to get any better when it comes to holding prisoners. Now, what do they do when somebody comes in? They immediately do a profile on this individual. When they do that profile, the first thing they're looking for is suicide risk. If you did a profile on Jeffrey Epstein, his suicide risk is on fleek. It's like 20,000, right? Like, it's just he's the top of the suicide risk percentile. So what are you going to do? You're going to put him on constant watch. What did they do? They put him on constant watch. What happened? Somehow he wasn't being constantly watched. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's right there. That's, that's major red flags. I'm very surprised. That we haven't gotten some more. Oh, oh, actually, hang on. I haven't followed this one. Too. There have been reports, and I got to follow up on it, and, and I'll, I'll follow up on it for you, and I'll let you know. But there were reports of you know charges being put up, you know, on the security guards and the people who are responsible, saying that oh, these people failed to follow their duties. Well, you got to follow up on that. If you cited somebody who was supposed to be watching and supposed to be making around, and he was derelict in his duty, and that's why nobody was watching him. Have we continued to pull on that thread and seen why did this man, you know, neglect his duties? Was there a payment made to him? What happened there? So yeah. there should be a more thorough investigation. I know they started and they started pointing some fingers. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get the whole story on that one from our government. Okay, so yeah, my cousin, he's in Metropolitan in New York, right? And he was like, yo, I'm right by Chinatown. You know, like he's in there, boom, he's telling me all the crazy shit. And uh, he's locked up with Tax Stone. Um so let me ask you, hold on. That VIP holding cell, is that where 6ix9ine was? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of 6ix9ine, let's get into this hip hop shit. Uh, can we, dude, do me a fair minute. Can we start with Casanova? Like, I'm bugging because I know him. Like, I'm just kind of like tripping. Like, he just made an announcement on his wife's page or his girlfriend's page. And then I'm like, wait a second, dog. Like, can you explain the charges that he got hit with? No. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I read that indictment and I'm asking myself, I'm the defense attorney, why is. Why is my guy Casanova in here? If I was Casanova's attorney, I mean, listen, indictments typically are very bare bones. And we've seen only two sets of documents in this case so far. There's the indictment. What does it say? It says that there's this gang. It's called the Gorilla Stone Nation. It's got all these members. And then it starts talking about what each of these members are doing. There's nothing about Casanova killing anyone. There's nothing about Casanova ordering any hits to anyone. There's nothing about Casanova paying or funding anyone. All it says about Casanova is that he was in possession of an illegal firearm while narcotics activity was going on. I mean, what the hell is that? I, I, I don't even know what that is. So that's what we've seen in the indictment. They're typically vague. But, you know, compared to the 6ix9ine indictment, they were making allegations like this guy is the ringleader. He's paying and calling for assassinations. He's actively present when people are getting stabbed and robbed and he's recording it. That was the one that really hurt 6 9 that they had him sitting behind the camera participating in armed robberies. 
with Casanova, we have a very limited set of allegations. So here's what I, I would tell, you know, Casanova, what I would tell any defendant in a situation like his. Time and time again, people tell you that statement that the feds win 90% of their cases. Okay, what about the other 10%? Right. Feds win 93%. Okay, what about the other 7%? Listen, Cass, you got to understand, this man, he's not just cut from a different cloth. He's cut from a different cloth. And then when he came up, the weave they put on this man is crazy. He grew up hard. He spent most of his youth, eight years, eight years in the penitentiary. In the penitentiary, I don't know if you noticed, Ben, he did three years in solitary. Three years. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so if I got a defendant like this, I'm looking at this indictment. Indictment is slim. The other paperwork that has been released in this case so far, I don't know if it's accurate. I saw it on Say Cheese TV, their Instagram. <laughs> it was, there was a, uh, I think it's the, so every time you get arrested in a federal court, the first thing they do is they send you to something called pretrial services division. And pretrial services division does a whole investigation, a background report on who you are, when you've been arrested, what type of work you've been doing, da, 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 da. They give it to the government. The government then uses that to make a recommendation on what your uh, conditions should be on release. Should you get held? Should you get out on a bond? Da, 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 da. In Casanova's case, you got this bare bones indictment. And then you got this pretrial services report that I saw in Say Cheese. I don't know if it's official. But like that thing is just grabbing a straw. That thing's like, oh, this man said on a Vlad TV interview. Yeah. That, yeah. So the, the report says, oh, yeah, he said on a Vlad TV interview that he, he was stabbing people in prison. Um, OK, this is America. If you went to prison, you stabbed somebody. Oh, and by the way, they caught you for it. Oh, and by the way, you did three years in solitary for it and you come out, that's time served. You can't stop. You can't keep holding that over the man's head. Yeah, he once he's out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone kept talking about, hey, man, you know, Vlad's the feds. You know what I'm saying? People are snitching on themselves, going on Vlad and this and that, whatever. And it's like, it's funny because people just asked me on my last episode, hey, man, you're going to do a show? And I was like, I don't know now, bro. Like, I'm not about to you know, <laughs> incriminate myself and put myself in, under. I mean, shit, the attorney said that they looked at Vlad's video with Casanova's interview and took evidence from there i don't know what that fucking meant exactly but that's just crazy but look that's what people are talking about but that's irrelevant in the courtroom you know you got to look at what that vlad interview really means with that the fact that the government is relying on that vlad interview tells you the government doesn't have shit to rely on or at least not stuff as strong as i have evidence of him actually stabbing a person and we're charging him for that this is i'm trying to keep you i'm trying to have you hold the guy who i have very little evidence on and the reason why I'm trying to get you to hold him is for stuff that he's already done and he's already paid the price for. Here's the important part about this, Ben. Federal judges will be receptive to this argument. You know why? Because they believe in the rehabilitation system. They believe in the methods that we use to punish our prisoners. And so when somebody does their time, they've done their time. And you can't hold that stuff over their head. For Casanova, I strongly believe he's going to be in that 10%. He's not a guy who's going to plea out. He's he's not built like that. He's if there's anybody who's going to stand tall and fight charges because they don't care if they're on the inside or outside, it's this man. Right. So hold on. My question is this, man, real quick. First off, did he have? I mean, did they catch him in possession of a firearm? Because that's obviously against his parole. We don't know. The indictment doesn't make clear what the base. So the way indictments work is, the government will 
put a piece of paper down and they'll say, this is what we believe is true. Okay. Now, how, how do you know? They right. don't have to tell you none of that. So all they do is they say, this is what we believe is true. Over the next couple of months, the government will have to now start producing the basis for their beliefs. And then the attorneys will get a chance if they believe that, oh, they don't have no evidence, they could then go and file a motion or some other type of procedure in court to challenge whether or not this can continue. So we don't know what the government has. We don't know if they have a picture of him. We don't know if they have, we don't know. I mean, do you think he's going to get bail? I tell you one thing: it's going to be on the skill of the attorney. Damn. It's going to be it's going to be what kind of coffee the judge had that morning because this it could go either way. Damn. It really can. And a good good argument, a strong argument by by a good lawyer, you catch the judge on a right day, he could absolutely get bail. All right, question: What do you think his bail would be, roughly? You just guess. Home, home confinement. They're going to put a monitor on him. You can't leave the house if you got to go to work. Maybe. I'm talking about the money, dollar, dollar wise, how much you think the bail be? It's not going to be that much as long as he, you know, they're, they're more concerned about, you know, monitoring you. That's their real big one. On a dollar amount, you know, it's all bond. And they usually, they won't even take too much cash. So, you know, they'll look at how much money he makes every year. And the way they do this, they think, all right, how much money does this guy make a year? What are his assets worth? Let's put like, like at least 25% so that it's enough that he can't walk away from it. Okay. So explain to these people too. Let's just say, for instance, there's a $100,000 bail, right, on anyone, whatever, any citizen in America, you know, and they're like, okay, you're released on a $100,000 bail. Now, explain to them how much a bond costs, how that works, and how they could get their money back, what they could do. Just explain that process because these people probably have no clue. The way bonds work is just going to be different in every court. Um, and then courts will even set different amounts. Sometimes courts will say that I'll take a bond from a bond company. So then you go to a bond company and the bond company will then ask you, all right, I'll give the court a hundred thousand dollar bond, but I need you to give me 10 K and then an agreement to, you know, make monthly payments or put up, you know, a property or something as collateral on that. So, you know, the bond game is just so crazy. There's so many different configurations that the court is going to want it in. There's so many different configurations that the bondsman's going to want it in. I'll tell you the one thing, though, the most important thing. If you're a defendant in federal court, you're going to need somebody or yourself to have some property because that's what they like to see. They yeah. like to see houses that have been lived in for five, ten years that are in your name because they know that's as solid a piece of collateral as anything. No, and it shows it. ties to the community. So that's that's really the one piece of information i could impart on you on bonds the rest of it is a total crapshoot <laughs> okay so yo man let's jump to the next guy man what's up with my guy g herbo man like what the fuck did he really do all this credit card fraud or whatever the fuck is going on do you have any idea like what's what's up with this dude this is the classic feds squeeze they bring you in they start throwing football numbers at you they start putting the restrictions on you and then they start squeezing you to see if you want to give some info look this is another case where from the indictment, we can't really tell what evidence the feds have. What we know is that they're accusing Herbo over the last couple of years of going around on private jets, of having exotic puppies, of, uh, you know, just spending and living outlandishly. You know what? Uh, you know what they're basically accusing him of? They're basically accusing him of living like a rapper. You know what he is? <laughs> He's a rapper. OK, now I, let me tell you something else. I, they had a bail. They had an initial hearing and the government was talking about the bond conditions and the government wanted to squeeze them. They wanted to up those bond conditions. One of the things they were saying 
is, yo, this guy, he makes too much money. He makes over a million dollars a year. You know how much is in dispute? How much they allege this, this like six people defrauded? No idea what. Between 500,000 and one and a half million. So let's see where we're at. We got the government accusing a rapper who they admit makes more than a million dollars a year of being involved in a multi-year fraud that resulted in a loss of somewhere between 500,000 to 1.5 million. Six people were involved in that. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Listen. No, the math but what did is, they do, though? Uh, yeah, what did they do? They got him in. They got him in. Now they got him listening to the federal judge. What's the judge telling him? Sir, you've been charged with six counts of wire fraud, Title Seven. You could face a maximum penalty of 72 months. 72 months? You break your calculator out. You're like, wait, how many years is that? 70? And now the squeeze will come. And they'll say, you know, Herb, that's, that's what they were calling him in court at the hearings. His lawyer calls him Herb. You know, Herb, we could, uh, we could definitely do something here. You know, all you got to do is give us a little information. All you got to do is take this plea. You don't have to keep going to court. Court could take forever. Anything could happen. So listen, G. Herbo is a classic, in my opinion, Fed squeeze case where they take the guy who they say, you know what? This guy's got a lot to live for. Let's get him caught up in this because he's the most likely to go ahead and start giving us the information we need. All he's got to do, in my opinion, is listen to his lawyer. He's got a great lawyer. He's got one of the best criminal defense attorneys in Massachusetts on his side. He's just got to follow that lawyer's advice. Don't admit to anything. Don't say anything. Don't speak on anything. Just listen to your lawyer is the best advice I'd give to somebody in Herbo's situation. Okay, but let's say he listens to his lawyer. I mean, six years ain't a whole... Is, is it Fed or is it State? I forgot. Fed. Okay, so Fed, so that he's got to do 85% of that. So it would be a little, like four and some change, right? He'd he have to do? But see, this is... You, you're doing exactly what the Feds want you to do. You're looking at the years. Put the years to the side. That's part of it. Look at the allegations. You, you, they are alleging that you make more than a million a year. Why would you be involved in a multi-member conspiracy with six other people where you guys are pulling off a fraud over multiple years that nets you what? A couple exotic puppies and some private jets? Yeah, it's stupid. It's the craziest shit in the world. I'm, my question is, I mean, so, okay, so you think they just have a good chance of fighting this? Because it, it is ridiculous. I think I had a good chance of fighting it. The other thing to keep in mind in a Fed case like that, the years are big, but... The feds look at a lot of different things that go into sentencing. And so if there's full payment to all the victims of these crimes and the feds recover $1.5 million in restitution for all the victims, that's one factor that weighs against lower sentences because we've, you know, people have paid for this loss. People have been compensated. That means less jail time for whoever ultimately is culpable. So that's one thing that every defendant in this case needs to look at that, listen, if everybody doesn't have knowledge of what happened, then everybody's not guilty. And if somebody did do this and they're willing to stand up and take the blame and pay this off, might not be a lot of years for him. Right. And listen, I know he went for a bail hearing. Did he get bail? He got bail. So the way that works is he got charged in Massachusetts and him and a number of other people got charged in Massachusetts, but they were all over the country when they get charged. So you don't actually just show up in Massachusetts. What will happen is you basically just report to your local <laughs> authorities. I mean, best practices, you report to your local federal, uh, you know, judicial district. That basically, in Herbo's case, he was in Cali. Yeah, so he, he, he was in L.A. He was in L.A., so he reported to the L.A. authorities. 
And then what they do is they take you to the closest federal courthouse. So in his case, Central District of California, he went into that courthouse and the judge there gave him his initial bond hearing. And they set the bond at that time. I think it was like 25,000 cash, a $50,000 bond. So that means he would have come up with 25,000 cash, given it to the court for the $50,000 bond. He goes to a bondsman, gives the bondsman some sort of percent, some collateral. Bondsman gives him that bond. He gives that paper to the court. Now he's out. And then they put a bunch of other conditions on him. And this was interesting because what happened is that judge in California gave him the bond. He's good. He's out. Then a couple weeks later, he has his first hearing with his new judge in Massachusetts. And so when he had that first hearing with the new judge in Massachusetts, the government's like, oh, maybe we should increase the bond. And it's oh, like, why? Man. Exactly. And, and this is they're trying to squeeze him. They want if because if they could put more restrictions on him, then he doesn't want to fight the case. Right. So they try to squeeze him. And they're like, oh, yeah, we need to up that bond amount. I thought that really hurt the government's argument when they made that argument. I was like, wow, do they realize how stupid they sound? accusing a, a guy who makes over a million dollars a year, yeah, a rapper. Know. I mean, they sounded so, but whatever. They, they made that argument, and then they were making other arguments. They're like, yo, we got to make sure this guy doesn't use weed because he has a medical marijuana card in California. And the, again, the, the, I actually saw the government say this statement in court, and then the judge, the judge had to kind of finish their sentence. This is how it went. So this dude is trying to argue like, yo, I need you, judge, to tell Herb, absolutely 100% that there's no marijuana usage because, Judge, it could be a little unclear. You know, he has a medical marijuana card and the laws. And the, the, at this point, the prosecutor starts fumbling. He doesn't even know how to explain it because he couldn't believe what he was asking for, right? He's, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I mean, he, he couldn't get the words out. He was yeah. like, you know, we need to clarify it. And the judge clarified it for him. She's like, right, because it's legal in California and Massachusetts, Right. And he's like, right, yeah, so we need to clarify that point. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's the classic squeeze case. They're trying to put as much heat and pressure on him as they can. He's just got to stand tall. So who the fuck else is in trouble right now in hip-hop, man? Man, we got A Boogie got arrested in New Jersey. Wait a second, didn't, didn't A Boogie get shot? Or what happened? I don't know, man, but the, the crazy thing about that case is, look, what they got him on right now is they did a search warrant, right? So anytime you get a search warrant, first thing your lawyer is going to do, if you got a good lawyer, you can afford it to have him do it. He's going to challenge the basis for that warrant. That did the cops ever really have enough evidence to go and get a warrant in the first place? All right. Then let's say the warrant is good. What do they have him on? They found him with some guns and some weapons and some weed. You could kind of defend that. It's not my guns or, you know, they're just in the house. I never possessed them outside or, you know. Whatever, whatever the case might be, the weed, you could, you could argue that. That's, hey, man, you guys, New Jersey just made weed constitutional. So yeah. what's up? Why are you guys still giving me flack on this? And then, you know, the government will say, oh, but we haven't put that law into effect yet. It comes into effect sometime, whatever, whatever. So, you know, Boogie will play that game with good lawyers. He'll be all right. But here's the question, Ben. Are those guns dirty? Oh, man. Now, you see, people don't come with search warrants when they know the whole story. They come with search warrants when they have part of the story and they're trying to get more of it. And anytime you see a search warrant result in the seizure of firearms, you got to ask yourself, where are those firearms going to lead to? Yeah, no, dude. I've, I've had a search warrant come against me, bro. And I had them, you know, and everything else. And then they were fucked. My attorney got them, you know, like shit. They had to return all my shit. Fucking, uh, what's, what's what, my boy Melly, man? Any news on him? Shit, man. Melly's going to go to trial, I think. I think we're going to see 
in the next year, one of hip hop's biggest and brightest stars go to trial on double murder charges. How about that? It's just going to be televised too. It's going to be crazy. Damn. Like, but I mean, dog, I mean, didn't he like kind of stench on himself and admit that he did it? Or I mean, is he? My take on that case, people who watch my channel have always seen that this case to me is very, very relatable, recognizable to people who understand the other half. Okay. If you've seen the streets, if you've understood how it operates, if you understand the mentality of someone who comes from the streets, then you understand that when you're involved in a shooting and the police pull up and they start asking you questions, your story's not always going to come out straight. <laughs> right? Right, right. It's going to be some <laughs> hesitation in yeah. answering the police's questions. And there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be all types of inconsistencies, frankly. All right. And that's just, that's just what it is. That's human that nature, bro. That's just, that's human nature. If I grew up in the place where YNW Melly grew up, if I grew up in a place where there is tremendous distrust of law enforcement, if I grew up in a place where I have regularly heard stories of a guy who ain't never done nothing, and one day the cops came and pulled up and they put him in the back and we ain't seen him since, you think I'm answering every detective's questions fully, openly, and honestly a few hours after I was in the vicinity of a shooting? Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, dude, it's weird, man. Dude, DM me for some jewelry. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, you in jail, bro. How are you DMing me? But anyways, no, go on. Go on. I'm sorry. So look, I, I get it. I totally get why the investigators continued this investigation into the two gentlemen who have currently been uh, charged, YNW Melly and YNW Bortland. However, you know what I don't appreciate in cases like this? When these investigators start looking at someone... They stop looking at anyone else. They stop theorizing anything else. Because, as you said, Ben, human nature, what is it? It's to win. And what's the win here at this point? The win is not finding the true killers or finding the truth of what happened. The win is to fucking nail these guys on their inconsistent statements. That's all they're trying to do. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, man. Bobby Schmurter, he was supposed to get out. They had not a bail hearing. What do you have? Was it parole? I forgot. Or was it bail? Oh, it was parole, right? And then they he had a parole hearing, and you know his issue was he didn't have a stellar uh, record of behavior in jail. Now, <laughs> I don't know how many of your listeners have been to jail, but it can be somewhat tough to be on your best behavior in the penitentiary. All right, no, for you know, sure. It's not. It's not like you keep your head down and everything's going to be all right. So you know they denied that man parole. They did it based on the fact of documented instances of him getting into, you know, issues while he was incarcerated. And it's, it's tough to argue that from the parole hearing. But, you know, the bigger perspective, the wider perspective there is Bob, Bobby Schmurter, anything that he did in prison is a systemic freaking problem. 100%, I would guess. Million percent. I, I don't know, but I would just guess that whatever Bobby did was a pretty systemic problem. That to the extent that this man took his time, he said, you know, I'm going to do this time. I could I could take I, he's to me. He definitely could have taken less time if he pointed the finger at one of his friends. He didn't do that. He had a really, really good support system around him. He went in. He took his time. He, you know, I'm not going to believe that that guy went off the rails in prison. I'm way more likely to believe 
that what that guy had in prison was a typical prison experience, absolutely average, exactly what you would expect. And then to hold his behavior against him in parole, I don't know, man, I need to see those hearings. But, I, you know, I, I, to me, he sounded like he got screwed. Right, man. And speaking again, screwed, man, what do you think about Kodak, man? You know, that's my guy. He's, he's, he's trying to get out of the jail. He says he's getting beat up. He says he's getting seals or what, fucking him up. And he's talking about, hey, man, I'll donate money to Trump if fucking, <laughs> if they get him a pardon, you know, whatever. Like, what, do you know anything about his situation, Kodak Black? Well, comparing it to Schmurder, I have to say, I, I did hear stories of what was going on with Kodak, <laughs> which, which, you know, I, 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 I feel for Kodak. I thought the initial gun charges against him were absolutely terrible like i cannot believe they wanted to put this man away for five years for quote unquote lying on a gun application like come on man jesus christ obviously the guy didn't know what he was doing like he didn't understand that you know there is in criminal law a concept of intent what is the intent here this man but i will say i heard some of the reports of what happened in prison and you know he had a rough go of it in miami and some of it you know must have you know, I, I don't think you can say that he was necessarily a victim of the system. The story, the way it goes, is a fight broke out and a CEO tries to break up the fight. And in the process, um, Kodak doesn't know that it's a CEO. Kodak claims, oh, I didn't know this was a CEO. I was getting jumped. And so when this CEO came up to me, I didn't know who he was. I was defending myself. Long story short, the CEO ends up in the ICU and Kodak had him grabbed by the nuts and literally almost tore the man's nuts off. And then this dude needed like an emergency surgery and he was laid up in the ICU. And so from there, things started spiraling, right? Because you put a CO in the ICU. Oh, man. Yeah. You red tar- you're a target. Yo. Yo. So I, I mean, I don't know what they did to him after, right? But I'll tell you that before that incident with the CO, you know, you got to, there were, there were some documented instances of, you know, maybe Kodak was, <laughs> the way I, with the reports that I read, it seemed like the whole prison, was like partying with Kodak. Like they kind of made him like he, he was like a center of attention, so to speak. And so because he was that center of attention, I'm sure people were coming at him. And so there was that element of, you know, Kodak Black is here and that led to a scuffle. And then that led to the CEO again, put in the ICU. So, you know, a case like that, you know, if that stuff happens, listen, I mean, you could blame the system, but once things like that happen, once you get a CEO in the ICU, once you were in a fight with another prisoner once all of that is documented you're going to have very little wiggle room with the system the system is just there's no relief for you at that point and so they did him dirty man i'm sure the ceos had a little fun getting a little revenge for it with him in florida and then after that they just up and transferred and they sent him to the middle of nowhere yeah man he was fuck. thousands of miles from his family it took his lawyer did a great job his his a couple of lawyers got a big legal team and they were able to get him back i think i think it was bradford cohen who does a lot of these rap cases and he was able to bring him back from the Midwest to a closer facility. And now things are on the mend and it is getting better. It's improving. It looks like he'll be released by the time of his release date. But when he got into that issue down in Florida in the federal detention center with, with SCO, that was, that was a problem. Fuck man. Um, my next question, man, well, you know, shoddy, it, what are the exact charges? Is this guy, you think he's ever going to get out or is he just in for a long time? I mean, get out, um, assuming good behavior, taking advantage of all the programs. He had good lawyers. He should get out in, you know, 12 years, something like that. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Damn, 12 he's years. Not, That's a long time, bro. He, he's not going to do life, though. I mean, some no, of those guys. You. He's not going to do life. But 6 9 did snitch on him, right? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, we need to rename the word. It's not it's not snitching anymore. It's six nining people. Yeah, <laughs> six nine people. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Okay, so could you explain to my listeners what RICO means? So RICO is um, a, a law, a criminal law that was passed by the federal government with one purpose and one purpose alone, to bring down the mob. Because what was happening is the mob got really good at putting space between the shooters and the shot callers. And once that space was there, no matter how hard the government tried, they could never go up the chain. And, you know, the guys who were really making the money, the guys who were really caught, they could never get those guys. So they needed a way to get those guys. And then what they did was they created this thing, RICO. Okay. And what this law actually sort of allowed the government for the first time to do was go after people higher up in the chain, even though they didn't pull the trigger, even though they don't have direct evidence of the guy making a cash payment. So now what they're able to do is they're able to say, look, we have evidence that all of these people are involved in an organization and to advance the purposes of the organization for, for, for making the organization money, what they all do is they engage in these crimes. And the way the law is structured is if members of the organization for the purpose of advancing the organization engage in certain crimes and enough of those certain crimes, you can then successfully prosecute the whole organization for a RICO conspiracy. And, and that's what's happening you know, now with a lot of street gangs. And so you have this law which has these crazy tentacles that are meant to allow the government to get through these really complicated Omerta-type organizations. But what's happening is these laws are being used to target everyday street gangs, and they're not complicated, and right. they're not Omerta-like. Right, and right. when you have tentacles that are deep and penetrating, they just bust right fucking through, you know? And really, legislators need to look at this, and people don't want to look at this, because who wants to freaking say we need to reform the gang laws in this country? But you know what? We need to reform the gang laws in this country. And that's very important because we live in a post-George Floyd world. Yeah. We live in a post-Donald Trump world. The biggest feature of that world is that people are more engaged than ever. The president can't stop saying it. He got more than 75 million votes. The other guy got at least more than 75 million votes. That's more than 150 million people. That is head and shoulders above any number that we ever had before. Oh, yeah, dude. He, we saw, Biden got over 81 mil, bro. Come on, man. 81 mil. We saw, we saw how many people came out for George Floyd. So we got all this energy. We got all this discussion. But now we need the change. We started seeing it in Los Angeles County. The new district attorney in Los Angeles County made real meaningful change on the first day he was in office. I saw you did alive with my girl Tahania Bushi, who's running for DA in New York City. Yeah. She's on my show. She would She's be on... someone who'd make that real change on day one. No, definitely. And I've been we, gotta, her. we just got to keep going on these issues, man. And one of, the, one of the things, if you're looking at Rico, if you're interested in that, you got to understand that what's happening with Rico is this really powerful, really penetrating federal law meant to break down mob organizations, complex criminal organizations and is being used as a battering ram against street gangs that are consist of, you know, 
kids yeah. by and large a lot of these people are kids no no it's not like ms13 or 18 i get it it's, they're just they're going after them and um man because i don't want to fucking take up too much more time you just brought up something right now which i wasn't even thinking about but uh, two more things real quick i was, I was going to ask you what do you think just estimation wise what do you think 69's attorney fees were once he went to trial just roughly if you were just to guess man Sure. Well, let, well, look at it this way. So he was, from the time he was caught up, from the time he got, well, before he was arrested, he already had attorneys, right? Right. Because the feds had contacted him before they even arrested him. And so his attorneys were working on his federal case a couple of weeks, a couple of months before he ever got arrested. So you're looking at about a two-year representation period. Now, case like that, your lawyer is going to charge you between $800 and $1,500 an hour. Why? Because you have unlimited funds. And so we're going to charge you the very top of the market. Right. He had a really good lawyer, you know, definitely worth the money, definitely of the right pedigree. So you're looking at $800 an hour, call it $1,000 an hour. You're looking at 20 hours a week on average. Some weeks it's going to be heavy. Some weeks it's going to be light. Maybe it's like 15 hours a week. And you're looking at a, you know, no expense spared representation. There's never an associate, a younger associate who's going to do this one for you. No, it's always going to be that that big time senior partner. There's no, oh, we're going to we're going to skip that one or oh, we're not going to go to that. No, you got eight co-defendants, I'm going to go to every co-defendants hearing. Every time, you know, there's a motion filed, I'm going to review it. Every single opportunity I got to I'm going to do it. So, from that perspective, 2 years, 10, 15 That's about, oh, about it's about 2080 hours. All right, so what's that come out to at a thousand an hour? Oh shit, that's two million dollars and eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, two million, just yeah, over two I mil. Think, I think somewhere between one and two mil sounds about right. Okay, so my next question is my last question because you just brought up the shit with George Floyd and everything, bro. Do you think this fucking guy Kyle Rittenhouse is gonna fucking get away? I don't know. I haven't seen that case too well. Um, I've seen the memes. <laughs> I've seen the memes. I yeah, don't know. no, I mean, I know he's being tri- tri- he's being uh, charged as an adult. They uh, tried to obviously uh, stop it from going back to Wisconsin. You know, blah blah, whatever. Then they, they fucking extradited him there. And uh, I know his legal fees were paid by a bunch of you know fucking Trump supporters and everything else. I'm just wondering, like, man, they can't let this guy. I mean, in self defense or not, he shouldn't have been there with the guns, helping people out. Whatever. I don't give a fuck what he was doing. He may kill two people, self defense or not. If he didn't have a gun, he, and he shouldn't have had a gun regardless over there. Wait, wait, break it down for me again. What happened in this case? Kyle Rittenhouse is a little 17-year-old kid who decided to go over there after fucking, you know, George Floyd's situation. He goes over from fucking, um, he go, he listen, okay, you know, the Midwest is all connected with each other. So he lives in Illinois, but it's only, you know, a 30-minute drive to Wisconsin. So he breaks the, you know, goes over the state lines. He has an AK, uh, AR-15, right? He's been, you know, whatever. And he's not obviously legal enough to carry the gun, period. Goes to Wisconsin. He's defending these businesses that are being torn down during the riots for George Floyd, and he is getting attacked by people. He's out there talking to cops with the fucking AR-15, talking to cops, having conversations and shit. They're all cool with these, a white kid, whatever, boom. He's wearing Crocs and shit. And then he gets attacked by other people, and he ended up killing two people. Do you know what I mean? He said he's out of self-defense, but I mean, one, he shouldn't have been there. He was on there, you know, he came out there on himself came out with his, actually with his mom, and his mom was out there with guns too, and they're out there carrying guns, and I know it's an open carry state, but he's 17, and, you know, he's, well, I think he just made, he made $2 million bail, and uh, he's being tried as an adult, and people are like, nah, he's not going to get off, they're, they're, they're going to fucking let him go, he's a white kid, I'm just thinking like, 
that's just fucking crazy, man. If it was black, he he'd be in fucking he'd be they they throw him, they throw away the key, man. Well, if he was black, he'd be in a gang case. Look, Kyle Rittenhouse is all about equity and consistency. If you took, if I had the head prosecutor from the Southern District of New York in my office right now, and I said, you know what, you guys are using this RICO law in an unfair way against street gangs. You know what he'd look at me and he'd say, he'd say, listen, society's obsessed with guns, gang culture. We need to fight back. We need to send the message to the youth. If you're part of gangs, you will do the time. Well, guess what? You know what society is also filled with? Crazy freaking people who like guns too much, who don't have enough sense because they're too freaking young, who watch way too much violence on TV. I don't know what gets them that way, but they're people like Kyle Rittenhouse who go around shooting people with high-powered assault rifles. And so what I would say to the prosecutors in the Midwest is that just like these prosecutors in New York who are of the opinion that they need to send a message to the youth on gangs, Y'all need to send a message to the youth on assault rifles and what is exactly acceptable behavior when you walk out into the street with your gun and what guns are for. They're not there to make you feel like a champ when you go to a protest, bro. Yeah. No, nah, it's just fucking fucked up, man. It's such a nightmare. But yo, Mo, I can't express my gratitude and how long I've been wanting you to come on here and just speak your mind and go on. We'll definitely catch up another time. But could you please tell everybody where they could find you? Ben, let me just say first, I've only been, actually, I've never been live on any podcast but this one. I was briefly on the Joe Budden podcast. Joe played one of my videos for his audience. But if there was any other podcast that I want to be on, it'd be the professional podcaster, Ben Baller. Uh, <laughs> y'all could definitely reach me on my Instagram. It's my only platform. So if you're looking for Mo, uh, my full name, Muhammad Gangat, I'm at Lawyer for Workers on Instagram. Okay, and you are a certified, you know, current attorney in New York State. Yes, sir. Licensed to practice law in the state of New York. We specialize in all types of employment law claims, sexual harassment, unpaid wages, all that. There it is, guys. Look at hit him up if you're getting your booty felt on, you felt uncomfortable, whatever. You ain't getting paid right. And, uh, man, again, Mo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yo, Miles, man, do me a favor. Play some of that Lakey Lake, and let's go to a break. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever had something stuck in your teeth on a date are you a frequent flosser or just floss when you get something stuck? Only one out of every two people brush twice a day. And same goals for flossing regularly. You know Quip, the electric toothbrush you hear about all the time from me? But it's their sleek, reusable floss pick you'll want to use next. The durable handle is easy to guide, restrings with the click, and comes with a compact, mirror dispensing case for on the go plus a single refill pod replaces over 180 single use plastic flossers so it's better for your teeth and the environment not a pick person quip also has refillable floss string that expands to clean pair your floss with your perfect electric toothbrush for adults and kids Quip has the simple guiding features you need, like time sonic vibrations with guiding pulses to help you brush better. 
You can personalize your routine with over nine premium brush colors. Plus, anti-cavity toothpaste for every taste in mint and watermelon. That's my kids' favorite. This holiday season, check out Quip's exclusive deals. And if you go to quip.com slash baller right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash baller. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash baller. Quip, better oral health. Made simple. I'd like to thank uh, my boy Mo again. If you ever need a lawyer in New York City, definitely hit my guy up. He's at Lawyers for Workers um, on Instagram. And uh, over the weekend, I, I did some more research into this Ghislaine Maxwell case, and I saw that she's proposing a $30 million bail to get out so she can spend Christmas out of jail, right? $30 million this bitch got, okay? This dirty bitch is, man... Let me tell you something. Check this out, Ghislaine. They ain't giving you a $100 billion bail. So you better start eating some motherfucking pussy and silver brand or wherever the fuck you are. Um, yeah, you gonna have them sugar shingles. Anyone who's been in jail know what them sugar shingles look like? That shit, your commissary, you must, that, yo, she lived a privileged life. I can't imagine. You don't even know what the fuck commissary is. Like, yo, you got them cup of noodles. You probably ain't had cup of noodles and I don't know how fucking long. Anyways, also found out that Ghislaine Maxwell, who's in her 50s or 60s, is married to some, he's not a billionaire, he's definitely got bread, some tech guy by the name of Scott Borgeson. I don't know, he looks like some fucking scumbag. He has ties to Elon Musk, of course, and all the other Silicon Valley fucks. Um, I don't know, look, man, again, I can't wait to see this fucking case go to trial. I've watched that filthy rich Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix, on Hulu. I've watched them shits probably four or five times each. I just, I was just obsessed with this motherfucker's power. His game was crazy. Anyways, all right, look. So real quick about the hobby. I'm going to be selling my autographed Nolan Ryan cards this weekend. Remember, new format, 34 cards. I got a feeling that these motherfuckers are going to fly just because shit's been going kind of good on my page and we're starting to get back, you know, moving again, and things are starting to, you know, I'm solidified in, in the hobby, man. I got Chrome, I got my World Series set, all this stuff. Um, speaking of the World Series set, I am also going to be signing autograph boxes of my official Dodgers World Series commemorative set soon, okay? I'm going to be doing gold, silver, blue autographs. I'm going to be selling autographs cheaper than I ever did. These box sets will be signed, and I'm actually have a couple of them signed by my boy Jock Peterson. It's going to be dope. Please don't sleep. You already know what it is. BBDTC.com. All right? There's going to be some shit coming out on that motherfucking site too, man. Um, also, yo, my 19th card. Yeah, one more card left. That's it after this one, okay? My 19th card of Project 2020. Just dropped today. The legend, Jackie Robinson. Yes, number 42. You already know I'm 42 all day long. Jackie Robinson, I'm not 42 years of age. I've always wore 42. I wore it in high school, wore it in college. And um, Jackie Robinson card dropped just a couple hours ago. So make sure you grab it. Remember, 
There's only two cards left, this one and the Sandy Koufax, and that is it for Project 2020. It is finito. It is in the history books, all right? This Jackie Robinson card is only available until Wednesday. I haven't figured if I'm going to do a giveaway yet. By the way, shout out again to Sam Cameron. He's fucking loving this chain. I need to post a fucking picture of him rocking that shit. It looks so fucking funny. This Jackie Robinson card is only available till Wednesday morning. Do not forget, we are selling fine art prints, and these shits are dope. They're only numbered to 100, and they're sick, and they're priced pretty good, all right? So go and check out the fine art prints. I haven't talked about them all, but they're out there. We did every fucking artist by each year, all that shit. You have a chance to get something dope that could be worth something, all right? On this Jackie Robinson card, I kept it too classy, super OG this time, all right? Um, I'm headed to San Francisco this week. Uh, actually in a couple days to handle some Ben Ball to do the strain biz. So if you're in the city, if you're in the Bay Area, hit me up. Um, and if you got something cool going on, don't hit me up because I'll be locked in, just chilling. I'm just fucking with you guys, man. Yeah, I'll be in the Bay. I highly doubt you'll see me be moving around. I'm going to be incognito. You won't even know what kind of car I'm in. I'm be, but I'm, I'm driving up. You know what I'm saying? And I will be strapped, so... <laughs> Don't try no cute shit, you know what I'm saying? Grab me by the shoulder or some stupid shit, like, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Please, guys, go get my boy Kid Cudi's new album, Man on the Moon 3, the final part of the Man on the Moon trilogy. It's out now. It's fucking killer. I've been driving around, vibing to it. Had me in such a good mood. And by the way, congrats to my boy Scott, man. Yo, Cudi. Man, congrats, man. He's about he's on pace right now to sell, I think, almost 200,000 albums, which is fucking amazing. The album is filled with super positive energy. It is 100% on brand for Cutter. I need to get him on the show. Uh, he said he actually would do the podcast. I just, you know, I don't really reach out, but I need to get him on the show and talk about some all kinds of shit, Aquarius shit, talk about what he got going on. He... Cuddy is a busy motherfucking man, man. The motherfucker got a lot going on. Scott, love you, bro. Always, man. So now, on to football. For those of you who've been following the bets, hey, I know I went five and six this past weekend, but it was way closer than that. And you know that, you cocksuckers, okay? And I hit one of my two locks, all right? That means I'm 10 and one on my locks. Don't be mad. The fucking Packers... Could have kicked that goddamn field goal to cover, but nah, they're bitches. Speaking of my bets, shout out to mybookie.ag. I am currently 72 and 57 against the spread, which means I'm still kicking mucho ass. All right. Once again, let me tell you again. I am 10 and 1 on locks. No disrespect to all the pro fucking handicappers out there. Nobody's fucking 10 and 1 on locks. I'm not selling picks. I'm giving these things away for free. All right? FYI, Jordan Winter did call the Seahawks game, as I mentioned on Thursday's episode. So I got to go against it. That's what he was going for. I felt like 13 and a half was too much. And I didn't know which Seahawks team was going to show up to Lumen Field yesterday. But the funny thing was, I was like, look, I feel like if I fucking bet on this fucking, you know, become greedy, then 
I bet the 13 and a half, bet my Seahawks, which I've never bet against, and we'll end up losing. So I was like, fuck this. I'd rather lose the bet and win the fucking actual game. So we whoop that motherfucking New York Jet ass. Yes, they're 0-13, but we whoop that ass. And you know what? They've had a couple close moments, so who fucking knows? And I do hope they fucking beat the fucking bitch-ass fucking Rams next week. And I'm sure Jamal Adams, would have felt he must have felt great. All right, and by the way, shout out to my motherfucking boy, Michael Dixon, the punter for my beloved Seahawks. He's giving me his game jersey, the worn game jersey from yesterday. Fucking crazy, all right? We need to keep that same energy, though, but better against Washington, which we played this Sunday, and Washington is on a fucking four-game win streak, all right? We need to be Mr. Cloudy and piss on their parade. We can't give them, we can't give any, like, we cannot give up first place in the NFC West. We need to fight this motherfucker. I'm not going to say tooth and nail. I fucking hate that term. But we need to have it. We need to get into a dog fight if we have to. All right. We really need to keep shit tight. No more little fuck ups. No more fucking Russ doing any type of podcast. All right. We look good. Shit. Geno Smith even got a good amount of snaps. I thought he was going to fucking score a touchdown. You know, I was fucking excited. Um, we even had our third, fourth string defense out there. I can't even tell you the last time I seen that, if ever, in the fucking entire nine years that I've been a fucking fan. It's crazy. Lots of missed field goals, though. It's fucking embarrassing. And PATs, which is fucking weird. How the fuck do you miss three field goals? How do two kickers miss more than three field goals? And fucking PATs. If you don't know what a fucking PAT is, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. And had the bitch-ass kicker for the Vikings made them four kicks, they fucking left 10 points on the fucking off kicks. Yo, this fucking cocksucker, they would have covered, all right? The Buffalo Bills are looking raw as fuck. They're looking strong, all right? I know we played them and they beat us, and I still think we could have beat them. But look, I think when we're on our shit and we got everyone healthy right now, we got people back. You know, we get Dunlop back in our defense and everything. I'm going to be real, man. I think our offense is better than them. Stephon Diggs, is, he's my guy. That's my boy. But their fucking receivers can't fuck with. Come on, man. With Lockett? Come on, man. Metcalf? Disley? Hollister? Yo, we got, some, we got fucking, we got action, yo. Chris Carson look good. Hyde's looking good. I think we could beat them. And um, by the way, for tonight's game, I like the Browns plus three in the matchup against the Ravens. Um, let's see what's really good, all right? And I want to know, who do you guys think will get the Snickers chain this week, all right? Leave a comment on the BBPIG page, all right? Go to the Ben Baller pod IG page. And leave a comment on who you think should win the Snickers chain. All right. Just go to latest pod and do it. Last time you guys actually picked, someone picked that shit. All right. And, he, you know, he deserved it. NBA preseason just started. And uh, I actually don't really give a fuck. I know Lakers kind of did their thing. But, yo, KD and Kyrie came out for 10 minutes. And they came out banging. Heavy. Okay. So you know Brooklyn is going to be a problem this season. But... The Lakers are going to take it. I'm not trying to hear shit from nobody. All right. Um, LaMelo, he looks solid. Uh, the team is, you know, a little sus, but he looks solid, right? He's going to be exciting to watch. 
I can't wait for the actual season to start. All right. Some weird scheduling right now with the back to back teams where we fucking play the same team twice in within the two days or something. So I don't know. And we are gonna start doing my bookie basketball bets too. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna resign with them. So stay tuned for that. But I think I'm gonna have to hit a Houston Rockets game uh versus the Lakers, of course. They play next month. That's might might be a little soon. I'm not sure. If I can get the vaccine in time, I'm definitely going. And I'm going to be sitting courtside with my bro, Washington Ho. Speaking of Washington Ho, I hope you guys watched House of Ho. I finished the entire season, yo. In fact, all three of us, me, Miles, Jordan, a.k.a. the Dust Brothers, we finished the season, all right? And I thought it was good. My wife, she, uh, I don't know, man, it's not really her thing, right? My wife likes fucking... Call girl and fucking Queen's Gambit and fucking uh, Handmaid's Tale and all that type of shit and everything. All the fucking when fucking women wear all them fucking curly dresses, all that shit. I don't know. But she was like, "Yo, I really relate to Washington's wife." I don't know. That's a good thing, right? And Washington's off the chain, man. I'm not, you know, I'm just, man. I'm pretty chill. But I thought the show was good. I thought it was a real good, solid season. You know what I mean? And I, I want to see more. I definitely hope there is a season two because if there's a season two, I'm pretty sure you're gonna see your boy make a cameo appearance on that motherfucker. Um, I do got to get Aunt Tina. Aunt Tina has got to come on the podcast. She's just too off the hook. She is fucking hilarious. I fucking love this girl. And she is just great. Man, you just put a camera on her and she's fucking hilarious. I can't wait to start interviewing people in person too. This shit is like just, you know, the fucking Zoom calls. There's just, I don't know, man. Um, the only other show I watched this weekend was Ghost, obviously. Uh, episode 7, you know, the most latest. Starting to get pretty solid, right? Um, Tariq is starting to, it's, it's starting to get pretty good. Things are starting to heat up. I think Method Man is doing his thing acting-wise. Yo, this is, again, the spinoff to Power and uh, I don't know. There's really nothing else that's interesting to watch. I've tried. I tried to buy everything. I'm buying old shit. Please send me new movie suggestions. Okay. I need something to watch. I don't necessarily want to get into a show again. Try to send me new movie suggestions. A lot of them, a lot of the times I might have seen it, but still send me some suggestions, please. I took the kids this weekend to Six Flags Magic Mountain and, uh, Magic Mountain was my all-time favorite amusement park growing up. Like, man, I had so many memories. Like, I never had a bad time there. And I never, throughout the duration of time that I went to Magic Mountain, every single, except for like, I went for Tiger's son's birthday like two years ago. And they had to fucking separate me and Black China. It was a fucking bad mess. I'm talking about, up till I was like 20-something, like, yo, I was always broke. I never had no money as a kid and everything else. Like, you know, we had 20 bucks, and we'd sit there and just, you know, we that's it. You know, you drink water from the motherfucking water fountain. You know, you spend your money too fucking bad. And it's just, I just never had a bad time. I can't wait till my kids are old enough to start actually going on the real rides. So the park is fully closed down right now. But what they're doing to survive right now is they turn the park, the entire fucking park, which people walk through and everything. They turned it into a Christmas light show parade, social distance. You are driving through now in your car. Can't walk through. You have to go to your car. And it is longer than any of the ones I've ever been to. And it was cool. 
um, the kids liked it. You know what I'm saying? You just sit in your car, it's safe. Um, you, you drive, you see all the lights, and you see, you know, decorations, you see Santa. My kids liked it a lot. Again, if you're an adult, I do not suggest it, okay? And again, I only suggest this if you have little kids, kids under the age of 10, under the age of eight, actually, okay? If you got kids that young, you might be all right, okay? But while we're driving through this motherfucker, I was having flashbacks, you know what I'm saying? That good old funnel cake, you know? All the girls wearing them, them tight shorts and going on the fucking rides and everything and French kissing for the first time and all that stuff and, you know, just all little... <laughs> you know, <laughs> I say this on the podcast, man. My father-in-law listens to shit, but like fingering chicks, you know what I'm saying? Getting your finger bang on and the rides, man. Yo, like, yo, <laughs> I miss that shit. Like, I didn't fuck with that. I feel like you can't do that shit at Disneyland, you know what I'm saying? I might fuck around doing a Knott's Berry Farm, but that was... Yo, Six Flags, that was my shit, man. And then they had the Wendy's right outside the entrance. You know, like, yo, Wendy's was a big deal for me when I was a kid. Like, you understand, we didn't grow up with... I just, man, we ate at home, and that was it. Um, anyways, last but not least, I want to talk about Bear Bricks real quick. And I'm going to do an episode really breaking them down. Just going to do an episode. We ain't talking about current events, no nothing, no fucking corona, no whose dick is sucking who. We're just going to go straight into Bear Bricks, and I'm going to break down how to really look out for what and everything, right? But they are truly the Bitcoins of toys, all right? And they aren't really toys. I mean, you got to be 15 and older to have them. It's just, you know, and they're not cheap, right? But the shit is getting out of hand. They're making so many. And, uh, you know, if you can get in early right now and get Japanese or Hong Kong exclusives and you can collect for the long run, like you're in it for the long run, then you're good. You'll be all right, okay? If not, don't even try. Don't waste your time. Don't buy Bear Bricks on StockX. I don't mean to sound like be a hater. If you're getting your starter kit, yeah, go ahead. There are other avenues. You got to be smart. You got to do some research. You got to search. And I'm not going to give you all the tools. Well, well maybe, maybe I will on the, on the episode about Bear Bricks, but it's, yeah, no, they look dope. I love them. They're cool to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's dope. Anyone that has, like, you, you, everyone has space for at least one or two. Or, you know, if you're balling, maybe you have space for 90. I don't know. They, they look cool in your crib, man, if you got the space, okay? And as long as you take good care of them, they'll always hold value. Even the shitty ones, okay? Shit, I've invested less than $100,000, okay? And I cur- just Bear Bricks alone, I probably got near a million dollars legit in Bear Bricks, okay? And I'm building another fucking wall. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I, I actually thought about selling my whole collection, and I was going to keep like six, nine bears maybe. I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, DJ Homicide's doing better. We're moving him over here. Got to make sure we got handicap clearances, by the way. Only reason why I'm bringing Homicide's name up is because Homicide has 36 fresh-ass rare bear bricks. 36 is a lot of 1,000% bear bricks. But yeah, Homicide is good. Just trying to get this handicap accessible stuff because he can't walk. And uh, we're getting on the shit. And, and he was like, man. Um, I'm still working on getting my guy Pomp on the show. He uh, will tell you what's really good with blockchain and all the crypto shit. He is the crypto master, okay? But, yo, right about now, we are out of time, guys, all right? I love you guys, for real. I really, really, really do. And besides that Rolex giveaway, um, I'm going to do another giveaway to my listeners only, 
no Twitter, no Instagram, just BTB listeners. It will only be mentioned here. Maybe a cash app, maybe an Amazon gift card, maybe a Target card. I don't know. Something that is going to be useful for sure. So please continue to tell a friend to tell a friend about this show. We want to keep going so I can keep giving away cool shit, all right? And maybe even we're just so close to getting the right amount of downloads to where we get a major deal with the big studio, okay? And then maybe if that happens, I'll add video to the show so you guys can see my ugly face every fucking week, all right? But yo, for real, that is it, okay? Please be safe, wear a mask, and always, fucking always remember, this is not your practice life. Yo, Lakey, what's good, bro? All right, man, take us out of here, bro. All right, people, peace.